You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 288 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. If you're fairly woke, you've heard about the term appropriation or cultural appropriation and that that is a bad thing. Is it? Appropriation in music, what about that? What if we take it to another level? What if the only thing appropriate is to appropriate. If you knew about the band Negative Land, put a feather in your hat. Most likely you haven't. Well, if you're interested in music, human rights, activism and in fucking with the man, then you are in for a treat. Negative Land is an American experimental music band which originated in the San Francisco Bay Area in the late 70s. The core of the band consists of Mark Hosler, David Wills, a.k.a. The Weatherman, Peter Conheim, and John Ladiker, a.k.a. Wobbly. Negative Land has released a number of albums ranging from pure sound collage to more musical expositions. These have mostly been released on their own label, Sealand Records. In the late 1980s and early 1990s, they produced several recordings for SST Records, most notably Escape from Noise, Helter Stupid and U2. Negative Land were sued by the band U2's record label Island Records and by SST Records, which brought them widespread publicity and notoriety. It was in 1991 that Negative Land released a song which featured extensive samples of the U2 song I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. The cover featured U2 in massive letters and a picture of a Lockhead bomber. Look at the cover of this episode to see it for yourself. It's easy to mistake for a U2 album, that's for sure. And that was exactly their point. But we'll get to that. Uh, you see, I want to play an interesting lecture by Mark Hosler from Negative Land, where he talks about the time when they got sued for using U2's music without permission. What is interesting also with this lecture is that one of the people responsible for this lawsuit is actually in the audience. Throughout the lecture, Mark will play a few selected tracks from Negative Land's discography. But before we get going, please uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Natural Born Alchemist. Just search Natural Born Alchemist channel on YouTube. Or uh, share and like uh, this podcast in social media. You can usually find it under Natural Born Alchemist or Born Alchemist. All right, let's go. Oh, and uh, fuck you too. Some of you may know something about the group I'm part of you. Some of you may not. Um, Negative Land's been around for almost 25 years now, unbelievably. And since uh, I was 16 years old, uh, my friends and I have really enjoyed playing instruments, singing, doing normal things that normal musicians do. But we've also liked plugging things in the wrong way, making strange sounds with our devices, banging on guitars, with, you know, scraping them with uh, uh, serrated knives, and, uh, and uh, generally abusing technology to make fun and interesting sounds. And we also really liked, from the very, very beginning, mixing in things from our environment. And this would be our parents baking in the kitchen, or the dogs barking outside, or an oscillating sprinkler going out in the yard. But I grew up watching four channels of TV, 
So there was TV on all the time, and so it was very normal for us to mix that in, too. We mixed in media immediately in, in our work. The first record we did came out before I was out of high school. And we weren't trying to make a statement about this. We didn't know about copyright laws. We weren't trying to be activists or any of this uh, in our work. We just thought this sounded really cool. There was something intuitively exciting about taking things out of their context and, and presenting them in a different context. Again, this is in 79. This is 80. I wasn't hearing anyone else doing this. I'm sure other people were. But um, for us, it really felt like we, were, we felt like this, this seems new and different and exciting. Wow, cool. So. Our, our work kind of kept evolving, and we started doing a weekly radio show, which also generated a tremendous amount of, of audio archives, which we have uh, uh, continued to do the show to this day, and we have this insanely huge archive now of audio clips that are all cataloged and, and labeled and everything. The more we worked with this media that we were appropriating and mixing in with our original music and sometimes stealing other people's music, uh, the more we started thinking about, well, what are these people trying to say? What are we doing by taking this stuff? You know, uh, we, our, our th thinking about our work started to deepen a little bit. And I actually just want to get right away into a little sample of what we do so you can, you can sort of get an idea in case you haven't heard our work. Um, this is a piece that's called Freedom's Waiting. The music uh, we composed ourselves. The uh, spoken word bits are all taken from uh, uh, learning how to read records and from TV commercials and... Uh, we set up kind of a, um, you think you know what this piece is about, but you don't until the very end when you'll get a little surprise of what it's actually about. Our Father, which art in heaven, humble words. We Trench. shall fight on the beaches, Trench. we shall Trench. fight in the hills, Trench. we shall never surrender. Trenchant words. Give me liberty, give me liberty, or give me death. Thundering words. The strongest words. The strongest word. The strongest word. Persuasive, persuasive, persuasive. The strongest word. The strongest word. The strongest word is still the word free. The word free. Strongest word is still the word free. Men have lived for words. Men have died for words. Pointed words. Cities have fallen for words. Free. The right words. Iraq, inflammable. The right words. Islam, insidious. The right words, said Lenin, are worth a hundred regiments. Infamous chorus. You can say four blunt words and a man will hit you in the face. A little deluge of adjectives. Words. The strongest word is still the word free. 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 Next to the word free, the best word is new. Persuasive word. The best word is new. 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 For your kind of morning, it's our kind of freedom. For you. 
Other tested words are mistakes, stop, at last, and don't. So hopefully you think it's about freedom, being free, but it's really just about the best words to use when you're selling products. And we actually made that in the wake of uh, uh, our first war in Iraq. That's kind of our, an oblique, our oblique reaction to it, I suppose. So um, our work is inspired by what we find. We actually don't set out to, to uh, go after targets or anything. We really stumble across stuff, and we get excited by it, and we want to make things out of it. And our work's always really been a hybrid of, of things that we, we find, we appropriate, uh, uh, we steal, whatever word you want to use, and things that we've made ourselves and mixed together. It was, only, it was in 1991 that uh, we finally uh, stepped on the wrong big toe. And uh, we had gotten a hold of a recording of a top 40 disc jockey named Casey Kasem. And how many of you know who he is? Okay. I'm realizing as the years go by, and Casey's kind of slowly going off the map, that this story is going to mean less and less to people who are under the age of, I don't know, 25. But um, Casey Kasem is also the voice of Sk Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. That's him. And um, he's also an interesting figure. He's an animal rights activist. He was arrested for um, protesting uh, nuclear testing, and he's... He uh, was one of the few Hollywood celebrities in 91 that came out against the first invasion of Iraq. But Casey Kasem was uh, doing um, his voiceover uh, takes in the studio for his radio show. And when you do this, you do a lot of different uh, takes over and over to try to get the best ones. And uh, something was going wrong that day. I don't know what. But Casey just goes ballistic in the studio, totally apeshit. Uh, and... Uh, is incredibly harsh and cruel and nasty to the engineer who's uh, uh, recording him. And these tapes we got a hold of, someone gave these to us at, uh, after a show we did in Portland, Oregon. And of course, nowadays, if these tapes surfaced, they would be all over the, the, the web. Everyone would be downloading them, and we never would have made this record, because part of what also inspired us was we were the only people who had them, just about the only. You know, it was a special find, some secret thing that we've got. So. These tapes were so funny, we said, wow, we've got to do something with this material. This is great. What can we make out of this? Well, he happened to be introducing a new song by a band called U2. And we thought, huh, well, maybe we should have him. What would make sense? He should be talking over a little bit of music from U2 and then have it kind of break down and dissolve into this other, you know, him messing up and, and uh, having a bad day. And, and the whole project kind of grew from there. Um, and it's... For reasons which I don't quite understand, we, we, we were always creating things where we, wish we're, we weren't worrying about other things that other people might realistically say, geez, you're nuts, why are you doing that? You know, you can't do that. Uh, but for us, these just seemed like really good ideas. And so the, the degree to which we sensed that maybe we're doing something you kind of, sort of shouldn't do, that just made it more interesting. That there's something I think I said uh, when I was here a few years ago, that there are always those artists who like to work within a tradition and expand upon that. And there are those artists, I think they're a smaller number, but they're drawn like moths to a flame. You know, they're drawn toward um, wanting to do things that they feel like they're kind of not supposed to do, you know, pushing at the edges of stuff. And that's precisely the area where they get the most creative spark. They're the most excited. They get the most energy. And, and, or in, in our case, we think it's the funniest, too. So... Um, so it's ended up turning into a single. Side one was a cover version of the U2 song. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. We had a sort of dramatic reading of the lyrics uh, by a member of the group, uh, uh, David, also known as the Weatherman, who 
kind of butchered Bono's lyrics and altered them. Now, when you do a cover version of a song, you don't have to get permission, but if you alter the lyrics, you've got to get permission. So we did that. We used a very 30-second chunk of the U2 song as the uh, beginning intro. Um, of course, didn't clear that. Um, there's uh, bad words in this, and that was, uh, they didn't like that either. But the, the final thing that really brought it to the attention of Island Records that really made them decide to nail our asses was that we, we ended up uh, making the, the record look like this. <laughs> and um, we thought, this, is, this would be funny. Uh, it's, it's confusing. It looks like a, a new album from U2 that's called Negative Land. And, and we liked the idea that you put this in a record store and people are confused. We like the idea of creating this, this at the moment of consumption. You're, you're, you're not quite sure what's going on here. And Negative Land's always been interested in, in creating that, that, that kind of moment of, what, the, what, what, what is this? Or they can't do that, but they are. How is this possible? And we've been able to do that a few different times in our, our career, and it, it's, it's very thrilling to get to do. We, were, we also assumed people would figure it out, but never underestimate uh, the inattentiveness of the average American. <laughs> because it turned out that places like Tower Records was putting up entire window displays of this record when it came out, <laughs> um, thinking it was the new U2 album. Uh, um, very funny. So um, we also, of course, were referencing that U2 stole their name as well. This is the U2 spy plane on the cover, uh, famously shot down in 1960 uh, with the pilot Francis Gary Powers aboard. And um, so this thing came out, and within 10 days, we uh, were hit with a 200-page lawsuit. Uh, we were also on a record label at the time called SST Records, so both Negative Land and SST were sued big time. They sued us for, they sued us for of course, copyright infringement, trademark infringement, uh, fraud, you know, deceiving YouTube fans into buying our record as a money-making, that it was a big money-making scheme, uh, for defamation of character, for associating this foul language with the clean-cut image of the band U2, for failure to... <laughs> obtain, you know, proper licenses when you're doing a cover. I don't know the right language, but we didn't, you know, get permission to alter the lyrics and do that. So they did what good lawyers do. You just throw everything you can at somebody to, uh, to nail them. Interestingly enough, the, um, the, the actual copy of the U2 single that resulted in this lawsuit was purchased in Athens, Georgia, and I finally, years later, tracked it down to uh, a particular store, and I found out that, um, well, I kept thinking, who the hell is in Athens, Georgia, who has anything to do with U2? What's the deal? And I thought, wait a minute, R.E.M. They're buddies. Well, the story, and, I, and, and Burtis Downs, who is R.E.M.'s manager, lawyer, advisor guy, I don't, is he here? Mr. Downs, I have to ask you, if you are the man who bought that record. Well, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Well, fuck you. Yeah, well, I, but thank you also. Thank you very much because I, I uh, but yeah, I, I actually did a lot of work. And, but I believe that, well, the story was that what you then turned. The story I heard was that you said something like, oh, they think this is funny. How well, we'll show them a thing or two. I'm not that kind of guy. Yeah. Well, the people, you, I ended up getting this one point speak to uh, Mike Mills and Michael Stipe about it, and both of them never had any, they said, no, there's no way that our guy, Burtis Downs, could have anything to do with you guys getting nailed. And if you want to do Britney, I don't know her people, but, you know, yeah. but if you want to do like Britney Spears, go for it, you know, but you'll probably get in trouble. I'd be like, yeah. Sure. <laughs> 
Well, no, it costs us, I make below poverty level income, I still do to this day, and it costs us $45,000, and it took about four years of our lives, every single, literally every single day for four years of our lives. But because of our interest in the media and all of these issues, when we were sued, we realized we had been handed an incredible opportunity, not just, a, it wasn't just having our baby stolen from us, it wasn't just something terrible and upsetting, that because we were connected to the world's largest rock band, we had a chance to address the media and try and talk about a larger issue, which is that corporations are con claiming omnipotent godlike control of our culture, that we should only consume it and uh, uh, what, they, what they put out for us to consume. We shouldn't respond to it in any way. So in 91, these issues were just not on the table, and it kind of felt like Negative Land was the canary in the coal mine, that we had been handed our mission from God, and we needed to sort of, uh, even though we knew it was going to be hell, that we had to go out and do something with it. Um, but we kept our sense of humor. We published a book about it. A documentary film got made, and of course, you know, it changed my life completely. So we, we've never had a hit single, but we've had a hit lawsuit. So... <laughs> That's good. I don't know. It's very weird to meet the, you know, yeah, yeah, you, you, you destroyed my life, sir. <laughs> hey, I'm not, you're rich and I'm not. It would have been, have been out longer. Yeah, we would have liked if more people had gotten a hold of it. I, you know, for, to a certain extent, I'm sorry for running the I didn't intend that. I was just trying. I truly was confused as a consumer. I'm a YouTube fan, and I know the guys, you know, in their, in their management office. Sure. I called them and said, "Do you know about this?" And they went, "No." And about ten minutes later, they called back and said, "Would you send us a copy?" I was going to say, "No." Of course, I'll send them a copy. Okay. Copy. Well, I'm glad you can fill you can fill fill me in a little more details. But I at least I know I was a good detective, and I did figure you out. I nailed I you. Say, Okay, all right. Okay, all right. I believe you. <clears throat> well, I had a little rush of adrenaline when I saw your name that you were going to be here. I thought, oh, my God, I don't want to meet this guy. Jesus Christ. Okay, so anyway, um, <clears throat> but thank you. Let me just show you. We did make a short film to go with the B-side of the U2 single, so you can actually get an idea of what all the hoo-ha is about. And uh, so let's, uh, let's roll this. Now, we're up to our long-distance dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio, and here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere, and it'll mean a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's come start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? That's the letter U and the New World 2. The four-man band features Adam Clayton on bass, Larry Mullen on drums, Dave Evans, nicknamed The Edge, on... This is bullshit. Nobody cares. These guys are from England, and who gives a shit? Oh, yeah. Just a lot of wasted names that don't mean diddly shit. I, for sure, for sure, you don't know where this is bullshit. This is bullshit. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Diddly shit. Diddly shit. Diddly shit. Diddly shit. Nobody cares. Snuggles. 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 He was a little dog named Snuggles. 
This is American Top 40. This is American Top 40. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. Radio 138, 
It's a pretty funny piece of work to end up causing so much trouble. Um, but it, it politicized us, intensely so. And it also made us realize that we needed to, uh, when, we, when we went on to do subsequent work, you know, we had to think. I mean, it had a chilling effect for maybe about three months. <laughs> but we had to really make the conscious decision, you know, we're going to keep doing this. And unfortunately, we, we put out a, well, not unfortunately, but we put out a magazine that documented the case. And then the label we had been on at the time, SST, turned around and sued us for putting out a magazine that was about being sued. So it got very, very ugly and convoluted. But um, we have not, in fact, been sued since then. We have had some threats against us, but we have stood our ground and people backed down. And from what I understand, we, we did so terribly embarrass everybody at Island Records and U2 and Casey Kasem and everybody looked so dumb for going after us uh, that, that, the, that the, the mainstream music industry seems to have taken an attitude of, oh, we know who those guys are, just leave them alone. You know? And that was one of my goals, really, was I hope we can, write, we can raise these issues and do the good deed here, but also I just hope for ourselves we can at least get these people to leave us the hell alone because we want to keep doing this work and we don't think this threatens anybody. You know, what, what's the problem? And so since then, we continue to occasionally deal with these issues very directly, but a lot of our work continues to be inspired by found things, uh, continues to appropriate, and I hope, you know, sets an example of that this is nothing to be afraid of, it's not a big deal, and, and it's really shifting, and as Anthony was kind of mentioning earlier, you know, the computer is the ultimate collage box, that this notion of that cut and paste and collage is just becoming more and more of kind of just it's something people do. It's a tool, it's an approach, and... Uh, we ain't, we ain't cutting edge anymore at all. We're not. So I just thought it would be fun, uh, just as a last little bit here, is just to play a little bit of an audio track. Um, this is from the forthcoming Negative Land Project, which actually is all about these issues. Um, it's called No Business. That's the name of the project. It's going to have a 15,000-word essay, which is a hugely expanded uh, version of an essay written originally for uh, 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 James Boyle's conference here a couple years ago. And um, we decided that for this particular project, it was appropriate to appropriate 100% uh, in the work. So there is no original uh, material from Negative Land on, on the CD whatsoever. Um, and uh, uh, so hopefully, uh, if, if something happens, I hope there's some people out there who will come, come to work with us on this. Uh, but we're just going to play a little bit of this. This is called No Business. And we just uh, made this. You may recognize uh, what this is from and, and what we've done to it. We've altered this a little bit and had some fun with it. So just play a little. I see you soon. Take care. Freedom is in the mind. There's no business like stealing, like no business I know. Everything about it is appealing, stealing everything that traffic will allow. Nowhere could you get that happy feeling when you are stealing people like show people. There's no
stealing. Stealing everything that music business people don't allow. Yesterday they told you to put your music. 